Lambeau, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're in the 5 o'clock hour here on the Burns and Gambo Show. We are not live from the Auction Community Studios today where we took our show on the road. We're at Footprint Center. We're tonight, 8 o'clock, national TV audience, the Suns and the Golden State Warriors. Of course, you'll hear it right here on the flagship home of the Suns, Arizona Sports. And to talk about this game, to talk about the state of Golden State, we welcome to the show right now the writer who covers the team every day for the athletic website, Marcus Thompson II, who joins us here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Marcus, I'm Dave. This is Gambo. Welcome to the show and, and welcome to town. Thank you for your time. Absolutely. My pleasure. Love this place. Yeah, weather. We're we're doing the show outside today. It couldn't be more beautiful out this time of year in Arizona. I I've read a lot of stories about panic time in Golden State. The the bench is no good. The defense is awful. It's a one man show again with staff. They they can't win on the road. They're zero seven. Is it panic time right now for this basketball team? I, I would call it. Uh, uh maybe hyperventilate time, not panic, maybe gasping time. Uh, <laughs> Close enough. They have some things. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the troubling part is Steph is playing really well. And normally for the last, what, since what, 2013, 2014, when Steph plays well, they're going to win. So it's, it's jarring to see the universe where Steph can go out and get you 35 and it doesn't guarantee you a win. So that's the part that's a little bit unsettling. But I do think they've got a lot of time, and we we already know who this team is. If they get to the playoffs healthy, and they can find a couple of players to fill out the rotation, they're going to be just as dangerous as anybody, right? So right now it doesn't look great, and there's some issues to solve, but we've just seen this movie a little bit too many times to panic about it already. It is. The, the 0-7 on the road blew me away. Now, I know a few of those games have been very, very close, but this team, the defending NBA champions, unable to win a road game in their first seven. What do you make of that? It's, it's too much youth. I, I, they, they gave up a lot of veteran presence on this team because they have this, you know, I'm sure you've heard of it, the two-timeline plan. They got the the champions, right? Uh, the Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, uh, Andrew Wiggins, Devon Looney, the, the, the team from the, the, the dynasty that, you know, are trying to win now. But then they have this other whole half of the roster with uh, James Wiseman and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody. And then they drafted two more rookies, right? So, it's, it, they just have too much youth. And, you know, road games, especially in the NBA when you're the defending champ and everybody want to beat you, it's, it's about execution. It's about knowing what you want to do, having a command of your stuff, and putting it against the best of the other team. So they're, they're losing leads. The, 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 the bench can't sustain it. So now you get to a part where they're fighting back most of these games. And now they got to close out a game on a row. It's just been a lot. I think the biggest problem is they just have too much youth. There's no Gary Payton, no Otto Porter Jr., no Nemanja Bielitsa, no Damian Lee, who was big for them last year, yeah. uh, and now with the Suns, no uh, Juan Toscano Anderson. They just lost a lot of vets, and they're feeling the, the, the they're feeling it right now with that. Marcus Thompson, the second, uh, the Warriors beat writer for the Athletic, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Warriors and the Suns, just a few hours from right now, here in downtown Phoenix. That that's exactly what I was going to ask you about because I'm a big Marcus in life and sports and anything. I'm a big believer in glue guys and and guys who maybe aren't the stars but who are there to kind of hold everything together. Man, you just rattled off all those names. 
games. I feel like the Golden State Warriors lost a lot of glue guys this offseason. Like a, a lot of guys who were just there to really kind of be the grout and hold the tile in place. It, it, it sounds like that's been, is that the most significant issue facing the Warriors right now? I, I think so. And it's, it's even more pervasive than you would imagine, right? Like it's one of those things you don't really know what you had until it's gone. So some of it is you need minutes, right? You need guys to hit big shots. I remember coming here on Christmas uh, last year, and Otto Porter, remember, just came out of nowhere with, like, 15 mid-range jumpers, right? It's like, yo, I can get hot, too. Uh, Like, that that is one element. But one of the other elements we're seeing is just a team vibe. They used to have guys like Damian Lee on the bench and Juan Toscano Anderson who kept the energy going, who knew how to – who knew how to be a part of the game even when they weren't playing. Now the bench is full of young guys who just are kind of sitting there. Some of them mad they're not playing. Some of them don't know what's going on, right? Like, and now, so it's like Steph Curry do something crazy, and you're normally looking at the bench going crazy, but now they're just like, uh, and there, there's like just no energy from them. So there was one play last game where I think Jordan Poole did something. All the, all the veteran guys are on the court. Kevon Looney sitting down. And, you know, Kevon Looney's played like 120 straight games. Getting up ain't easy, but Jordan Poole does something. And Kevon Looney's like, nobody's going to get up. All right, I'm going to get up. So he's like, oh, he stands up. and he's, <laughs> he's like taking off the back wrap and the knee pad, right? So he can stand up and cheer because wow. even that little thing is showing why veterans matter in the, in, the, in the NBA and why it's important. How do you keep your energy? How do you focus while you're not playing? How do you not look like you're mad because you're not playing, even when you're mad that you're not playing, right? So to me, it's, it's, that's a lot of what's going on. They lost a lot of that stuff, and they need Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo to become that for them, and it's just going to take them some time because they're new as well. When the Suns signed Damian Lee, I got to be honest, I wasn't that impressed. He's always been, what, the 12th guy on that team? I mean, you know, hard for him to get major minutes. I just looked at him as an end-of-the-bench guy, another James Jones veteran towards the ends of the bench. He's played some meaningful minutes for the Suns, played some meaningful minutes in the fourth quarter, and at times he's hit some big shots. Are you surprised at him, you know, his kind of coming-out party that he's playing so well here in Phoenix? Not, not, not at all. Actually, uh, like this has been the trajectory, and he's one of those guys who's grinded the entire way, right? They're like he's never gotten a break. Like the only breaks he's gotten has literally been in his hand because he kept breaking his hand, right? So he's gone from Drexel to Louisville to the G League to two way contracts. Like he's worked his stuff up every step of the way. So to me, this is like the natural next step for him, and. Championships matter. Like, they just do. It, like, the NBA is so much about confidence. And he won a championship last year, and he was a part of that. And that gives you a little bit of swagger. We're seeing Juan Toscano Anderson, a guy who was never supposed to play. He was playing in Mexico. Now he's in a rotation with the Lakers. Like, these guys are, are, are good players, but mostly they just fought for every single thing they've ever gotten. And you want those guys on your team. They're, like, great for that. So, to me, it makes a lot of sense that he's playing this way, and I do think that's going to be valuable for Phoenix come postseason, especially if there's a 
a words match up because you know who his brother-in-law is, right? You know, oh, yeah. You know, he knows him pretty well. Yeah, that, there's, <laughs> there's history there for sure. Marcus, you enjoy our fine weather. Uh, enjoy the town, and uh, thank you for your time this afternoon. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Anytime. I'll see you all in the West Finals. <laughs> Sounds good, Marcus. Marcus Thompson the second Warriors beat writer from The Athletic joining us I'll here take it. on the Burns and Gamble Show. You tell me right now. I'll take it. Can, side up. The Suns can meet the – absolutely. Bring it. Western Conference Finals, sign me up right now. I'd have, have no problem with that. last year's disappointment? Absolutely. No problem with that at all. None whatsoever. Uh, come celebrate the biggest FIFA watch party in town with Estrella Jalisco, Sarah Cazell, and special guest Gerardo Torado as the Mexican national team takes on Argentina in front of big screens with live music and giveaways on November 26th at Sportsman Park. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for complete details. Well, as we've been talking about for most of the day, the 49ers are a formidable foe. But for the Cardinals, surprisingly, or maybe not, Cardinals have actually had the edge in this one. We'll tell you why next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Now, here's the thing about this game coming up on Monday night between the Cardinals and the 49ers. You can completely reset and restart your season if you're the Cardinals by beating the 49ers. Yeah, and the 49ers could end your season too, probably. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's like we, we these were, teams these like like you really need to be around 500. So it's odd to me. This is a weird year. It's odd to me that these four and six teams, like the Packers, mm-hmm. you know, or you look at the South and how bad the South is with the Falcons, the Saints, the Panthers, and the. I mean, Tampa Bay's at five hundred. They're in first place. Um, you know, listen. It would be nothing would be worse for me this year than. Tamper and Green Bay both getting to the playoffs, and then they end up in the NFC Championship game after how bad they've been. Here's your NFC Championship game. Brady versus Favre. Where's the Eagles? Where's the Giants? Brady versus Rodgers. Brady versus Rodgers. What did I say? Favre. Favre. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brady versus Favre. I was trying to mean to correct you, but I'm like, you know what? i got to correct them on that yeah, one. No, you I know what me you meant, yeah. but i got to correct you on that Brady one. Brady yeah. versus Rodgers in the NFC. Like, but these four and six teams, are, they're right in the thick of things right now. It's so odd. You know, because after ten years, we're so used to sixteen game seasons too, not seventeen. So with four and six, it's like okay, you're done. Yeah, you're done. You're not going to go five and one or six and zero oh down the stretch. And, and if the NFC were even a, a shadow of what it was supposed to be, you would be done. I mean, a four in a typical go look at the AFC. You're four and six. You're cooked. You're done. You're not going anywhere if you're four and six in the AFC. There's just way too much traffic in front of you, and that mountain is way too tall to climb. In the NFC this year specifically, you can get away with it because yep. every you know the team everyone's chasing are the 49ers right now. They're the seventh seed. They're five and four. You know the Washington Commanders right. are next. They're five and five. So adding an extra game, adding an extra playoff team over the years, like you've got to the point now where it's crazy that but there are four and six teams that are like they're they're in this thing. And yeah. Four and six. It sounds crazy, but they're in it now. Here's the reason I bring up the the, the Cardinals and, and it, I was the, the joke I was going to make. We were talking off the air earlier about how. You know, typical Arizona are extremes in weather, right? It's like so hot one day, and the next day we're all freezing cold and wearing jackets. Um, that's kind of this game, right? Like, if you win, you're 
scorching hot if you're the Cardinals. You're right back in it. You just beat a high-quality opponent, and now we're in here on Tuesday after that Monday game, and we're talking about a team that, you know what, maybe they are a playoff team. Maybe we were wrong about them. And they're them. still under 500. And they're still under 500. They're but, still but, under 500. I know, but we would, that belief of beating the 49ers, I think, kind of lends itself to that. It would be the two out of three that we talked about. Yep. It would be. Now, my reasoning for them being out of it after they lost to Seattle, and you know this, it wasn't that. I understood the two out of three. Okay? But what I didn't get was the six out of eight. So two right. out of two out of three I got, but I, to me, the Seattle game put him three games under five hundred, and it put him in a position to where just to get to nine and eight and have a chance, you got to win six out of eight games. Now here's a team that's three and six, and now you're saying they're going to go six and two. Cliff Kingsbury. The, so I felt that the, you know, like it just made it too hard to have to win all those games almost consecutively. And for me, the reason why I was quick to say after Seattle, that's it, they're done, is because that. The team that I had seen every single snap up until that moment just didn't look capable of winning enough games to get back in it. That changes when you beat for the 49ers. I mean, that, and that's what I'm talking about here. That's that's what that's what changes the equation for me because if you're capable of beating the 49ers, you're capable of doing things that I didn't think you were capable of doing. That after eight games, nine games, whatever it was when they were done with Seattle, that I just didn't think you had that kind of performance in you. I still don't. I mean, I, I if I'm being realistic about it. I'm looking at who they've beat. They haven't beaten anybody worth a darn so far this year talking about the Cardinals. That's like four of the worst teams in the NFL. But if you can beat San Francisco, you're showing to me that you're capable of something I didn't think you were capable of doing. And then I have to reassess what it is that you are actually capable of doing. Uh, The reason I'm bringing this up the Cardinals have actually enjoyed a lot of success against the 49ers lately. Yes. Swept them last year. They've, what, 12 of the last 16, 3 of the last 4, 12 of the last 16 times they played San Francisco. This is a matchup that, for whatever reason, it's favored them. It's favored the Cardinals exactly. for whatever reason. You're exactly right. Like, for whatever reason. Like, how are, like how are the Cardinals always so bad against the Rams but so good against the 49ers? We really don't know. But the reality is that they have. And one of those games was the Colt McCoy game last year in which Colt McCoy you know, led them to a victory over the 49ers. It was a convincing victory, a convincing victory over the 49ers. They played very, very, very well in that game. Colt was very good. They they ran the ball very well. You know, Benjamin had a big run in that game as well, and they won that game. So, yes, they, have, they, they, they must feel pretty good about their ability to win this game, even though it's on a neutral field in San Francisco, even though they're not the designated home team, got the majority of the crowd there. The Cardinals have to feel really good about their chances of going to win that game. I mean, they and and that's going to be the trick, right? It's going to basically feel like a road road game for the Cardinals. At least it sounds like with what you just said a second ago. There are circumstances that are somewhat extenuating in all of this. One of the games last year was the first Trey Lance game. He wasn't ready for that, all right? And the Cardinals, and that was the close one. That was the one where the, the 49ers, it was a really ugly, you know, rock fight of a game. But the 49ers hung in there despite Trey Lance looking as shaky as he did. The other game, yeah, it was the Colt McCoy game. The 49ers were so shorthanded in that game. They were missing all sorts of guys. I don't want to make excuses. It was still the 49ers. That was still a team that ended up in the NFC Championship game last year, and the Cardinals went into their building with a backup quarterback back and beat them. So I'm not trying to take anything away from the Cardinals, even though it sounds like I am. I just think last year there were a couple of circumstances that sort of helped 
that streak along, helped that, that yeah. run of the Cardinals doing well against the 49ers along. And you have to be kind of cognizant of that to a certain extent. Yeah, what, what was incredible was the Trey Lance game that you're talking about. The Cardinals actually had four stops on fourth down against San Francisco in that game. Their defense came away with four stops on fourth down. And Kyler Murray was solid. He was okay in that game. 239 yards passing, one touchdown. Hopkins had six catches for 87 yards in the game-winning touchdown. And, you know, the Cardinals, that was early. And the Cardinals were playing well. And then when, when Kyler went out, Colt came in and played a great game. Like, he had a great game, and they won that game 31-17. So they won both games. They've had their number. Um, I'm sure some of those games have been very important. But this one is, just like last week, may have been an elimination game. Oh, yeah. You know, this week, not for the 49ers, nope. but for the Cardinals, it is. I mean, you, Very much. Well, listen, Very we, much. we knew this damn well. Okay, no matter how the three games stacked up, Seattle, the Rams, and San Francisco, we knew this. They couldn't go one and two. No. We, like, we like, can't go one and two. No, you can't. You can't fall for, for further back. Like you're one and four in the division. Now, now you're you're never going to catch Seattle because they've already got the series season against the the series against you this season. You're not going to catch the 49ers now because your division record. You, you've you've got to win it. And and so yeah, this is another elimination game for the Cardinals. I just I worry about the Niners right now. I think they're kind of lightning in a bottle. Uh, as far as who plays quarterback, we still don't have an update from the Cardinals. Cliff did meet with the media today and provided this on Kyler. He's still getting treatment. We'll see how he progresses. I just had a walk through today, so we'll we'll kind of take it uh, day by day and see where he's at uh, later in the week. And and in terms of being in the prediction business, Cliff said after he botched last week's Buddha prediction, I ain't making any more predictions. I'm not doing that again. I was really bad on predicting Buddha last week, so I don't want to get into predicting Kyler, but he's progressed well. I mean, like I said, he's still getting treatment on it. We want to be 100%. Um, when he's out there, particularly against this defensive line, so I won't have a feel for that till later in the week. The way he described it was Colt and Kyler are both right now day-to-day and that it's his expectation that one of them will play. He doesn't know which one, but that one of them will be able to play in that game. Uh, and Hollywood Brown, the window open for his yeah. return yep. off of IR. Not a guarantee that he plays on Monday, Nobody but at least could. now there's yeah. a chance. Which yeah. would be great, right? Especially with the injury to Ertz to get another offensive weapon back out there in such an important game. If Hollywood Brown could play. Now, I checked today, and it's, you know it, it, there is definitely a chance that he could play. And I asked, is it 50-50? I heard it was a little bit better than 50-50. So I'm going to go with that. It's probably a little bit better than 50-50 he will play, but again, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, these days will determine whether he's good enough to go. Text us your thoughts on the Cardinals and the Niners at any point during our show, the FanDuel text line. It is open for you at 620-620 when we come back here on Burns and Gambo. We turn our attention back to this, not only this game tonight, but Kevin Durant and the question of his availability has taken a turn over the last, I don't know, couple hours or so. We'll tell you what we found out next here on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Quote, it's been fun grinding with these dudes. It's been fun grinding with Jock. It's been fun trying to leverage myself to help everybody else get better. I'm learning the game more and seeing all types of crazy defenses every night. I never know how a team is going to guard me. This is all helping me mentally as a player to see things a little slower, playing a little slower, close quote. 
It was Kevin Durant. Yeah. <laughs> You're chuckling about it over there. He's miserable. That <laughs> <laughs> was Kevin Durant. In a story, an article he did, uh, an interview he gave to Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports, talking about kind of his frame of mind, the trade, why he asked for it. And, and, you know, I don't know how much to read into. It's been fun grinding with these dudes. It's been fun okay. grinding Let with Let me give John. you the other part of that. Ready? Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Subner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect <laughs> us to win because I'm out there? Here's another one. When we're all playing like blank, you know the one person they're going to look at. That's why I requested a trade. <laughs> Kevin Durant, when we're all playing like blank, you know the one person they're going to look at. That's why I requested a trade. This was a deep dive story into okay, Kevin Durant. Hold on. Can I, can I point counterpoint you here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Quote, I'm having a really good time. I wish y'all could hear me talk during the game. If I got mic'd up more, people would stop asking me if I'm happy or not. I'm enjoying every moment I get to step on this bleeping court, and part of it is because I tore my Achilles. You have pandemic. potential. <laughs> you have potential. You're not buying it, huh? You're not buying it? You have potential. Did you see how many points they gave up last night to the Sacramento Kings? 156. The Sacramento Kings scored 156 points on the Brooklyn Nets last night. They're playing really, really well. Yep. Like, they're playing extremely well. Like, they've they've been a little bit of a surprise here. They're starting to, like, they're 7 and 6, but they're playing great basketball. Listen, here's the reality. The Nets aren't aren't even a playing team right now. Okay, they're six and nine on the season. You got Kevin Durant on that team. You guys are six and nine. You're you're in a, a you're in twelfth place behind the Bulls for eleventh, the Pacers for tenth. Only the Magic, the Hornets, and the Pistons are worse than the East. How can he be happy? This guy wants to win. I he went to the Nets and joined the super team to win. He's not even on a, in a he's not even in a playing game right now. Mm-hmm. I tend to agree with you, and, and I, we're having fun with the point counterpoint thing, like trying to read the tea leaves and see what he's thinking, see what he wants. I, I look, I don't know him. You don't know him. I can't imagine that this is what he signed up for. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm reading stories out of Brooklyn. I know you are too. You know, team only meetings about Ben Simmons. He's getting called out. Been awful. Does he care enough about basketball? Does he care enough about this team? Now there is a report. And I'll pass this since we're talking about the Nets. According to Woj of ESPN, suspended all-star guard Kyrie Irving is nearing completion on the process needed for a return, could rejoin the Brooklyn Nets as soon as Sunday's game against the Memphis at the Barclays Center, sources told ESPN. They play tomorrow against Portland. He's going to miss his eighth consecutive game, but after that, he is closing in on the end of his suspension, it sounds like. I want to say this just because you mentioned Sacramento. Last four games, beat Cleveland 127-120, beat the Lakers 121-14. Beat the Warriors 122-115. Beat Brooklyn 153-121. It's very impressive. Man, they're playing well. It's impressive. Like they're playing really, really well. Yeah. 
No matter how well you're playing, you shouldn't give up 153 points no, to another no, NBA no, team. No, I mean, no, I get they have no defense. Your point is well made, and it, no, they don't. They don't defend. Now, yeah. I would imagine if I'm KD, all right, and again, not knowing the guy, I'm just thinking out loud here. You really can't make a final determination whether it's time to move him until you get Kyrie back and see how good this team can be. Now, how long he's going to stay back when he gets back? But you know, who the hell knows, you, you, right? You know, you know, you know in, the, in, in your heart, you know what you're going to have to do. Yeah, you could say that, right? We're going to. I, I understand. We're going to give it some time. We're going to see what Jock can do. We're going to give it some time. We're going to. We're going to see if we can. We. You're, they're not good enough. They're not good enough. And so in the end, we could say that now in the middle of November, they're going to get to January, and guess what? They're still not going to be good enough. You might be right, but you still have to go to the marital counselor before you decide to get a divorce, right? Like you still, in the in the interest of saving the marriage, you still have to do everything possible so that way to you can save say it. You tried to do everything we, we I tried. Can. Hey, we tried. We waited for Kyrie to come back. We gave Ben Simmons the tough love. We got Steve Nash out of here. We got Jacques Vaughn to be our coach. We 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 went to counseling. We did everything we could to salvage the marriage. Even though you know, before you even walk into the count, and I say this having never been divorced, you walk into the counselor's office right, and you know it doesn't matter what's years and years of marriage there. counseling, though, right? <laughs> huh? Years and years of marriage counseling. Me? No, you said you'd never been oh. divorced. I was teasing that you. Oh, okay. Oh. You've never been divorced because <laughs> the marriage council works. Yeah, I've never been divorced because we go see a shrink every other week. No, it's it's you. A lot of times, couples know. Okay, this is seriously a hail mary for us to save this thing. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to counseling. Hail mary time. If it's not this, the next call is to the lawyers, and we're trying to figure out how to split everything up. I got to imagine for the Nets and whether they keep this thing together, Kyrie coming back is like going to the marital counselor. Like it. This is this is it. If this if this doesn't fix it, what the hell is? There's nothing. And you're right. I think in the back of their minds they know. They know. They know where this is headed. They I, know how this is going to end. Yeah. They know it's uh, because I wonder if Marks regrets not trading Durant in the summer. It's a good question. I wonder if he regrets that. Like I probably Nash wouldn't be fired. Durant would be gone. The expectations wouldn't be high. I, you know, we we still have to deal with the Kyrie thing, but we wouldn't be on it. We wouldn't have a team that we. The whole thought process on keeping Durant was, oh, we've got Ben Simmons coming, and we got Kyrie coming back, and we Harris, and we've got a team that can win. The problem is Ben Simmons sucks. He's terrible. Ben Simmons is awful. I mean, I read three or four different stories today about team only meetings, closed door locker rooms, guys calling each other out, guys holding Ben Simmons accountable, and 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 he's like. No, really, I'm invested in this. I care. I, I want it, but the, like people don't believe him, or, or there's this belief that he he just doesn't want to do this anymore. You know, and, and he doesn't love it. Yeah, that he just doesn't just love to love play it. the game. He loves the money, but he doesn't love playing the game. Yeah, and that's that is a problem if you're trying to keep this thing together. So, what, look for the Suns. Okay, what do they have to do with all of this? Well. Obviously, it's a situation you continue to monitor. And if at some point around the trade deadline, the Nets look around and say, you know what, it is time to call the lawyers and get a divorce, then maybe the Suns are ready to say, okay, you want to talk? 
to us again? Let's talk. Yeah. Here's what we've got to offer. You you know, you weren't interested in Aiton in the summer. Are you interested in him now? You, we've got draft picks. Let's have a conversation about making a deal done if the Nets decide that ultimately this thing is going to Kevin Durant's going to be a hot commodity on the singles market. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, he Once he gets divorced. Yes, he is. Got a lot of people going to have their eyes on KD. He's not, How you doing? He's not going to be on the market How very long. How you doing? Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. he's going to have... He's t- <laughs> Well, what's your name? <laughs> a lot of people swiping right on Kevin Durant. <laughs> easy, easy. The fact that you know the correct direction to swipe is always. I've never swiped me. once in my uh-huh. life. The fact that I've you never know, had the app, the, and the, I've never swiped. The fact once. that you know the right direction is. Well, I've okay. heard it a million times. <laughs> it's on TV shows and movies, and you have potential. <laughs> <laughs> And boy, Mitch, Mitch and I are uh, on the same page right there. <laughs> I'm a Leo, so that's the symbolism there. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Kevin exactly. Durant will be a hot commodity on the singles market. Exactly. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo show, the Golden State Warriors, are they fading? That's next here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo, what's on tonight? Tonight, the games that we're going to watch tonight, Suns, Warriors. We're going to watch that, of course, although that game still on the surf for another couple of hours. 8 o'clock tip time tonight. It's a little bit of a late one because of the national TV audience. Uh, and then we've got ASU basketball tonight on as well. Taking on VCU. They're in New York. It's part of one of those like Thanksgiving tournaments. That game's going to be on ESPN 620. It starts at 6.30 tonight. That is what's on tonight. They lost a, a tough one the other day. What are they, 2-1? and one? I think ASU's 2-1. 2-1. and, one two and, one. and who, we'll see. It was somebody... Lost to a no-name. Yeah, very directional, no-name kind of school. It was like, ooh, you lost to who? Who was it, Mitch? Mitch, is it, who did they lose to? It was the Texas Southern. Okay. I believe that, that is was, correct. Yeah. yeah. I believe that is correct. All right. So I try to forget games like those, for the record. Are you are you still set with the uh, ASU football pre-post? Yeah, I'm doing that season? again on Saturday and Fantastic. then next Friday. Oh, that's great. That's great. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear that. Oh, and I'm also, let's see, it looks like um, Justin Verlander just won the American League Cy Young Award. Oh, okay. No surprise there. And nope. I don't think they've announced the National League. Sandy Alcantara unanimously. Uh, my apologies, Sandy Alcantara. Okay, so great pitcher. Just Sandy, a great pitcher. Sandy Alcantara and Justin Verlander. No surprises whatsoever. They were both unanimous. Those are both the guys that were going to get it. Uh, I'll be curious. Have they, Mitch? Sorry, I was stepped away during the commercial break. Did they reveal the votes at all in the National League? Did we Have we gotten an idea yet on how many votes Zach Gallen might have gotten for that bad boy? I saw Gallen finished fifth. I think I saw he also got three second-place votes. Yeah, okay. Well, take that. Yeah. Take I still that. think he deserved to be in the top three, but take I just it. hope that they can find a good trade partner for him down the road. Seriously. What, are you trying to kill me? Is that I your mean, goal? Is to, is no, to I'm just send me to my early... If you missed it earlier in the show, we, we had one segment where we were talking about the Diamondbacks. Um... And like this offseason and everything they're going to do. And one of the things that Gambo had mentioned was because Scott Boris is Zach Gallen's agent, the chances of Zach Gallen 
signing a contract before he hits free agency is like slim to none. Slim to none. It's and, not going to happen. And Slim's on vacation. It's not going to happen. <laughs> so with that as kind of the frame up, you're talking like if he hits free agency and Scott Boris is trying to get his guy you're 200, not, you're not outbidding the Boston Red Sox, the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, the Mets. You know, you're not outbidding those teams for a top flight pitcher that hits free agency. And then the conversation and Boris knows it, right? And then the conversation turns to when do you trade him and when do you extract value for him? You got three like, years left to control. You're not going to worry about anything this year. He's he's your ace pitcher going into this season. Now you just you know if if you re, if you come to the conclusion that you. Can't can't, you're not going to be able to keep them. Then at some point after this year, but not this year, at some point, then you would you would look to move them. But but that's the thing is that when I want him, isn't necessarily for next year. Next year, I think they could be a wild card team. I think they can contend think for wild cards, but I do. I love that team. It's two years from now. When I think they okay, can make their biggest look jump. out, they're going to be really good. Now he's still under your control then, but now right when you enter the window of serious contention for the Diamondbacks, you also enter the window of do I have to think about trading Zach Gallen? Those two windows completely contradict each other. Well, there's one thing you could do, and it's un- it's un- it's unconditional, conventional, it's unconventional, unconventional. You could play after three years. And, and, just let him walk. and then just let him walk and get as much as you can out of him for three years and and hope that you you know in three years time you'll you'll have some success enough success get to the playoffs and then let him walk or you could pay him. <laughs> well, you speak about unconventional. It's not that that's you, more unconventional. You can they can pay, I mean sure they can pay him. I mean Bumgarner's going to be off the book. Pay this man his money. Uh, that's right, Teddy KGP. If they're smart with their money, they could do it. The problem is that there's no way that it, that they could outbid the t- ten teams, the Cardinals, the Phillies, these teams that have have a, a heck of a lot more money. They can't outbid those teams. So a top flight free agent pitcher on the market, they're not going to win a bidding war, and he's not going to give him a discount because. Boris is his agent. So when we talked about this earlier, just the thought of Zach Allen being trade bait or a free agent right about the time the Diamondbacks are supposed to get really good again, it's, I had chest pains. It just, it, and I'm being facetious, but, you know, barely. Um, it's like, uh, really? It's like, I would love for them to sign extension. I would love for them to go to Zach Allen like, look, let's do a six-year deal. We'll buy out three years of arbitration, three years of free agency. It'll be good for both of us. Yep. And you're Scott Boris is going to tell you to take a walk. Yep. yep. You're right. You're not wrong. I, I didn't know Scott Boris was his agent. You're not wrong. That's how this is going to go. Warriors tonight coming up at uh, 8 o'clock. And uh, we're still an hour away from our pregame coverage. So no bonus burns in Gambo tonight. But we will be back with you tomorrow at straight up 2 o'clock to talk about this. Are the Warriors fading? Is this their, has their window closed? Is it closing? We had a Warriors beat writer on earlier. He said it's not panic time, but it's definitely, you know, hyperventilating time. Right. If you're a Warriors fan, time to breathe into a brown paper bag. If you're a Warriors fan, where, where are we with this team well, the, right the, now? Look, their thought is to slow play it. They, you know, they're not about the regular season. Get their main guys healthy. Once you get to the, they've got all these young guys that are playing now. Maybe one of them will pop or two of them will pop. Wiseman 
Harden's not even with the team anymore. He's in the G League for about a month because he's been so bad. But here's the thought process. Get to get to the playoffs. You've got a short rotation. You go to a nine-man rotation in the playoffs. Now you're really relying on Wiggins and Poole and Curry and Green and Looney and Clay and a few other guys. And then there's also the trade. Because, the, you know, the Warriors don't care about the luxury tax. They don't care about that. There's also the trade market. Like, come December, January, could they, you know, could they make a big deal? Could they trade Weissman for a veteran player that could help them? Yeah. I forgot to mention Iguodala, who could help them in the playoffs. So that's their whole thing. Yeah, they're old. No question about it. The main guys are old, and their young guys are young. They don't have, like, a lot of the middle ground <laughs> with the Warriors. So uh, the thought process is get to the playoff short rotation and get to the trade deadline and make a deal or two to help them win. Yeah, I, 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 I think you're right, and I, I, all, I will always fear them. Only because they have an owner who just doesn't give a rip about the luxury tax. And those are the guys who, to the point where the NBA is probably trying to curb that kind of spending, those are the guys who, you love them, if you're a fan of the team, will do anything. Will do anything. Will pay any dollar amount necessary to make his team a contender. And that's the Warriors. And you've always got to respect a team like that for their willingness to reinvent themselves, to trade guys, to take on salary, and just say to hell with the luxury tax to hell with the salary cap we don't care that's what we're about that's going to do it for us we're out of here on this wednesday night thanks for hanging out with us here on the burns and gambo show we'll see you tomorrow straight up two o'clock have a great night everyone you're still here it's over go home go